Make our minds, hearts, and souls a fertile soil of the gospel, that your word may bear great fruit in our lives. Lord, illuminate these scriptures for us. Reveal to us the face of Christ. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Do you trust God? It's one of the, the fundamental questions in the spiritual life. It's one of the fundamental questions in our life. Like, do you trust God? I know for myself that that's hard sometimes. Even however long that I've been uh, really living my faith life, even almost 12 years now as a priest, that there are times like when trusting the Lord is difficult and I don't like it. I wish that it was always really easy. But we, we don't have fallen human nature is that we, we, we don't have a proper understanding of who God is. That our image of who God is as a loving father gets easily distorted. And so it is easy for us to mistrust him, which when we think about it logically, it's, it's ridiculous. Who else more should we trust than the Lord himself? But this, this and, and I ask this question because it affects every moment of our life and every decision that we make. Everything. Do we trust him? Because ultimately, when faced with temptation, this is it. The temptation to sin is a temptation to grasp at something that is an apparent good. Like it seems to me to be a good thing. And then maybe I'm aware, maybe, maybe sometimes I'm aware and sometimes I'm not. Hopefully I am aware and I have knowledge of like what is good and what is not. But again, many times we're confused about this as well. But let's say I'm in a situation where I know I should not be doing this particular sin, whether it be gossip or some form of lust or greed or pride or laziness, cheating, whatever it is. It's right here in front of me. I'm aware of the fact that I should not be doing it, but I'm tempted. There's, there's this an attraction to it. Why would I choose the sin instead of, instead of saying yes to the truth, to goodness, to what the Lord asked? I ultimately choose the sin because I don't trust that the Lord will fulfill the desire of my heart. Like I don't trust him. I don't trust if I do what, what the Lord tells me, what the church tells me, what right reason tells me is good, that I don't trust that if I do that thing, that ultimately I would be fulfilled. And so I choose the sin, whether it's seemingly small or seemingly large. Because I have more trust in that thing in the moment than I do in the Lord himself. Now I want to take that looking at today's scripture passage of Jesus' temptation in the desert. First off, I don't know if you've ever, like, 
read this passage from Scripture, and um, I remember the beginning of my conversion as I really started to read Scripture again, praying. It's like, at that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. I'm like, well, I thought Jesus and the Spirit were friends. What's going on? Like, what, what's this about? This doesn't seem like this is what should be happening. Why did the Spirit lead Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil? For Christ to have victory. To have victory over the enemy. So he's, he's there, right? He goes and he's in the desert and he fasts for 40 days. And then here, again, the scriptures, I, I laugh so many times when I read the scriptures because there's so many things like these. It's like Captain Obvious, right? He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And afterwards, he was hungry. Okay, all right. Well, I was, I was curious about that, right? He was hungry. And here he is starving. And, and, and I've read a little bit about this. So if you go without food for a number of days, like after, I forget exactly how, because it's, it's been a little while since I read it, but after a number of days, your hunger response goes away. Like your body at some point is like, okay, we're not going to get any food, so we're just going to turn off hunger for a while. So it turns off hunger when your body begins to just eat away at itself. But then, and again, this depends on a person's health and age and all these things, but creeping up on like day 30, your body's like, okay, we're running out of muscle, fat, all the things that we're eating here. We need food. So hunger response comes back, and, and it's intense. So at this point, 40 days in, Jesus is physically starving. When I say starving, it is not like when you haven't eaten in 30 minutes, starving. This is starvation as he's experiencing. So the enemy comes in, right? And he's like, are you hungry? Turn the stones into bread. And Christ, he's a divine person, fully divine, but also fully human. Like fully human. So his body is it's like a visceral response to this temptation. Yes. Yes. Not only bread, let's get some canes, right? Some jambalaya, something. Do it. I mean, there's an extremely visceral response here. But actually, the more fundamental temptation is the first line that the enemy gives. He says, if you are the Son of God. He's actually questioning Jesus' identity, which is ultimately questioning the identity of the Father. Like, if you are the Son of God, and turn these stones into bread. Because you know what? If God really was your father and you really were his son, he would have never led you in the desert to starve. So don't trust him. You can't trust him. He led you out here to starve. So now you have to take matters into your own hands. You have to feed yourself because you cannot trust God. He is not a father. 
and you are not a son. Here's the temptation. And again, this, this visceral response, because in the moment, right, in the moment, there's this, gosh, this incredibly visceral response. And there is Jesus. And, it, and that temptation, again, like, I mean, that can seem logical, right, to us. And so many times in situations, we can apply this to so many sins or whatever, like, hey, you know, gosh, if God really cared about you, you wouldn't be in this situation. Just take control yourself. Just do the thing, because the thing that you're supposed to not do, like, it's not that big of a deal. It's not. Just do it. Again, the greed, the pride, the lust, the envy. And, and, and we, can, we can put ourselves in some supremely difficult situations that are there, right? And, it, and it's the, the intense pressure, the intense temptation. But what does Jesus go back to? He goes back to the truth. And he goes back to his relationship with the Father. He says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Now, what's important for us, when is this happening? This is happening right after Jesus' baptism. So what Jesus heard right before he went into the desert was the words of the Father at his baptism. This is my beloved Son, in whom... I am well pleased. Like he heard the affirmation of his sonship in the Father. That I am a Father, and you are the Son. This deep, abiding relationship. So actually, in this moment, Jesus chooses death, with seeming, seeming physical death, before disobeying the Father, before lack of trust in the Father which is different from Adam and Eve in our first reading. The catechism says about that moment at the fall, it says the fall is this, that Adam and Eve lost trust in their creator and thus disobeyed him. And every subsequent sin, meaning all of our sin, at the heart of it, the catechism says, are these two things, a lack of trust in God and then therefore disobedience. You can't trust him, so take it into your own hands. But Jesus is showing us the Father is trustworthy. But you know what? In the midst of temptation, the, to, to trust the Father, to choose life in the Father, means that we have to die to the temptation. That there is a real death there. And now I want to fast forward to the third temptation because of the third temptation, again, the second one, he says, if you're the son of God, right, then um, that's there. And he twists scripture like, oh, hey, you know, enemy's like, you want to use scripture? scripture? Okay, I can twist the truth. And Jesus comes back with the truth again. But at the third temptation, he, he takes him up and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And what's this temptation here? Jesus took on our human nature for the salvation of the world. That we are separated from God in sin, right? So he came down for the reason of winning us back to the Father. And so the enemy says, hey, you see all the people that you came to save? Look at them. If you but bend down and offer me worship, then they are yours. What's the temptation? 
you can have all of these people without the cross. We can skip over the suffering and the death and just get to everyone is yours. This is why you came. And it's this easy. Don't trust the Father and take it into your own hands. Like in real life for us, every single temptation is a very similar thing. Don't trust the Father. Take it into your own hands. From a very simple thing to really difficult situations. And what's important is, is that we have, we have a knowledge of who the Father is so that we can trust him and that we have a knowledge of the truth. Like I just, I just want to take one example, and we could, we, could, we could have a million examples. So think of this. Guy dating a girl, they love each other very much. It's a beautiful love. A lot of things that are really great. In that moment, right, there's a, there's a deep attraction, and it's a good thing. God gave us that. Here are in this situation, it's like, well, gosh, like, I'm pretty sure we're going to get married. Why don't we just sleep with each other now? It's an expression of our love. Like, just, just do it. And you're like, well, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not supposed to. I'm not supposed to do that. But again, it's a subtle temptation it's a subtle temptation. No, no, no. It's okay. You love each other. But then there's an erosion and an erosion and an erosion of what that act means. That it means that I've entered into a covenant relationship with my spouse. That I'm giving myself to them until death do us part. And that this act is an act that consummates that reality. That no matter what happens, I'm going nowhere for the rest of my life. And that I'm participating in this mutual self-gift that is, that is formed by this covenant. You know what? But we haven't taken those vows yet. And so to step into that is to not live the reality and the depth of what God wants. Man, but the temptation is strong. Again, we could... We could we could place out a million different scenarios. This just happens to be one that's pretty common on a college campus, right? So in that moment, do I trust the Father? And do I trust the truth? Maybe I don't completely understand it right now, but can I pause? You go, you know what? I'm going to study more about why the church teaches what she does. I'm going to trust that, that 2,000 years of the, since the, the revelation of right Christ in the flesh, I'm going to trust that, that God's own ways in the natural law and how he has made us. Like, can I just pause for a second and go that, like, maybe all of that holds some weight. Maybe all of that holds some weight. But, but part of that, what needs to happen, right? I need to, you need to, and go, look, I'm a broken man, and I sin way too often. I go to confession regularly. It's such a gift. I'm grateful for it. Can I, in that moment, like, deepen, deepen my relationship with the Father so that I can trust him 
and therefore be obedient? What about business practices? Like a million different situations. So what I want to invite you into this Lent is when we are speaking about increasing our prayer, it's not just that we're doing something, right? It's great. Like, oh, hey, hey, I, I prayed a rosary or I prayed these things, good. But what, what prayer really is is a deeper relationship with God himself, him revealing himself to us and us being in relationship with him. And if we want to know who the Father is, then we need to look no further than Christ on the cross. Like, how can we trust God? Like, I, I don't know who he is. There he is, the God who died for us in our sin. That's him. And today, he's going to come in the most holy Eucharist. This is my body given up for you. This is the God who we can trust. And if in the moment we don't completely understand, then let us surrender. Let us surrender to him and and seek out greater truth. Every sin is because there's a form of us not trusting God. And if we don't trust him, then it means that we don't know him as he is. I'm guilty. We need a deeper knowledge. And then ultimately we're disobedient. So let us be like Jesus in the midst of this, even in the midst of very visceral temptation, that we do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. The word of truth, the word of Christ himself, And that we will need to die to temptation many times. We will need to maybe even be persecuted by others. But if we surrender to the Father, that Jesus, even in his death, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit, then he was raised up to the right hand of the Father and the gates of heaven opened up. Ultimate fulfillment is, is never experienced ultimately here on earth. And believe me, like if that, if that particular situation that I talked about touched you, if you live the rest of your life, there are much more difficult situations coming and much more difficult temptations coming. But as we trust the Lord in the little things, then there is so much joy in being a son and a daughter of the Father. So much joy that only he can give. Let us trust him, let us trust Christ, because he offers himself for us. And in that, we will be victorious over sin and even death, and know only the peace and joy that Christ can give.